0: to be here in your house together. We are grateful that we can be here to hear from you. Lord, you still speak to us. We thank you that you speak to us through the pages of scripture. You speak to us through your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come now and speak to our hearts once again. Cause our hearts, our minds uh, to be open. Help us to be completely open to you today, uh, that you would do the work that you uh, would desire to do. So help me, Lord, as I preach today. Uh, that my words would bring honor and glory to you, that I would preach uh, your word today in truth, uh, that we as a congregation would be built up. Uh, Lord, uh, this is something that only you can do, so we ask for you to do this for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It is good to see each and every one of you today. I'm Pastor Adam. And we are in now the fourth Sunday of Advent. We are one week away today from Christmas. Everybody ready for Christmas? No, I don't see very many hands. Uh, you can be ready for Christmas today. Maybe not, not ready for the, for the day like the, the holiday American celebration of Christmas, but today you can be ready for Christmas because Christmas is more than just an American holiday tradition. Uh, Christmas is something that has come to us, is something that has entered into our hearts through the promise of Jesus Christ, through the promise of your Savior. During these weeks of Advent, we are unwrapping the gift, unwrapping the gift, the true gift of Christmas. Uh, We are going to uh, the Old Testament during these four weeks of Advent to unwrap this gift of Christmas. We're not going to the New Testament. Maybe you would assume, well, we're going to unwrap the gift of Jesus. We'll go to the New Testament because the New Testament uh, speaks of Jesus' birth. We're actually going to the Old Testament because the Old Testament also points us to Jesus. The entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. As soon as humanity fell into sin, we read in Genesis 3, verse 15, the very first gospel, that, that, uh, that someone would be born of a woman, and that person born of a woman would crush the head of Satan. Theologians call Genesis 3.15 the, the proto-evangelion. protoevangelium. is pro, like a prototype, you know, the first of its kind. proto evangelium being the first gospel. As soon as humanity falls into sin, God gives a promise. The promise of a savior. The promise of one who would come and crush the head of the serpent. And then, and then we went to uh, the second week of Advent, we went we, we looked at Genesis chapter 12, the promise given to Abraham, and that is the promise that Abraham would be blessed, that he would become a nation, and that through him, all peoples, all peoples would be blessed through him. And that nation is the nation of Israel. And today we know how all people are blessed through Abraham, uh, because Jesus was born of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Judah, and the entire world is blessed through Jesus, then we went to last week we went to second Samuel chapter seven, and we read the promise given to David, which is essentially the same promise given to Abraham, but in that promise david uh was was told that he would become uh this great a dynasty that, that from him would be many kings that many kings would come from king david and that through king david eventually messiah would come and that his kingdom would last forever so david was promised an eternal kingdom and we know that that can only happen through messiah jesus who is king of kings and lord of lords And today we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33. But before we look into the passage, I want to talk about the negative stuff. The negative stuff in life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hard things in life. The negative stuff can keep us from seeing the good stuff. And I would hate for you to miss out on the good things God has given to us in Jesus and in this world. And many people today are depressed. And I don't want to be the kind of pastor that ignores the issues of mental illness within our community, within our world, and even within our congregation. Because depression is a a very real thing. And I'm not not a a psychologist. I'm not a a doctor. I'm a pastor. And as a pastor, I I can give you uh, one part of the solution. And that part is, is that there is hope today. Even in the midst of all of the negative things that are happening in our world, in our community, and in your life, my prayer is, is that your eyes would be open to see the good things that God has given to us, especially in Jesus. And the negative things in life can keep us from seeing the good things. And how, how, can, we, how can we bring ourselves to this place where we, where we see the good and, and not the negative and where we can be brought to a place where our where we're lifted up and where we truly have the joy and the peace that Jesus promised. Well, one way is I, I like Louis Armstrong's famous song, What a Wonderful World. How many of you remember that song? You see, Louis Armstrong, he sang about the things that he saw. And what did Louis Armstrong sing about seeing? He sees the ordinary blessings of life. In the song, he talks about the green trees, the blue skies, the white clouds, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, the colors of the rainbow, people walking by, babies crying and growing and learning. And in the ordinary of of life, he sees goodness. And, And when we see the goodness that's in our world today, we cannot help but have our spirits lifted. The songwriter and many songwriters have focused on the negative things going on. But he chose to look at the blessings of this world. If you choose to focus on the negative things happening around you, life will be hopeless. If you choose to focus on the blessings that God has given, then life is abundant and full. And I think in in the life of Jeremiah the prophet, there were times when he couldn't see the good. All Jeremiah could see was the bad. All he could see was the negative. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah preached during the tail end of his nation's political history. His country was going down the tubes. His country was dying. His country was dying because the leaders of his nation did not obey God's word. And because they did not obey the word of the Lord, destruction was promised to come upon the nation of Judah. And God even said that the capital city of Jerusalem would be destroyed. The national leaders during Jeremiah's day turned away from God. And because they turned away from God, God promised to send foreign invaders. People who would come and Destroy the nation of Judah, eventually breach the walls of Jerusalem, and even destroy their temple. So Jeremiah, he preached this truth, and the people didn't want to hear the truth. They wanted to hear good news. But God didn't have just a message of good news for the people. He also had Jeremiah preach about the bad situation Jerusalem was in. So they punished Jeremiah. They punished Jeremiah for preaching the truth. They didn't want to hear that their nation was in such bad shape that God would bring judgment from Babylon. Talk about a bad situation. Oftentimes, Jeremiah could not see the good because of all of the negative going on around him. And this is when God brings a message of good news for Jeremiah to proclaim. In the midst of all of the negative, there is a beautiful Word of comfort and of hope in the gospel. Well, it's not the gospel of Jeremiah, it's the prophet Jeremiah, but we'll call it the gospel of Jeremiah today. And this is uh, when God brings good news. Here's the thing, church. For you who trust in Jesus as your Savior, your eyes have been opened to see not only the best that this world has to give, but the best that God gave. AND HIS ONE AND ONLY SON, JESUS. AND WHEN YOU AS A BELIEVER BECOME DISCOURAGED AND DEPRESSED, GOD WANTS TO LIFT YOUR EYES, LIFT YOUR HEART, TO SEE THE BEST THAT HE HAS FOR YOU TODAY, AND THE BEST THAT HE HAS FOR YOU FOR ETERNITY. WHEN YOU GET DEPRESSED, CONFESS TO GOD THAT YOU'RE NOT SEEING THE BEST you're not seeing the best that he has given to you today and for eternity. And then get up and get out and look around. See the green trees, the blue sky, the white clouds, the people walking by, all of the good things that Louis Armstrong saw. Stand in awe and wonder of God's goodness. But most of all, look to the promise that Jesus has for you today. And so today we're going to stand and we're going to read from the message of the prophet Jeremiah. That we may have our eyes open to see the promise of God's goodness in Jesus today. So Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. says, while Jeremiah was still confined. He was confined. Uh, If you read through... The the prophecy of Jeremiah, you see that he was treated terribly. He was confined in the courtyard of the guard, and it was there that the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Verse 2. This is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Here's a promise for us. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And where we find that today is in God's word. Something different between the preachers then and preachers today is is they received direct revelation from God. So the prophets were sent to proclaim God's judgment and God's mercy. They received direct revelation from God. The difference of preachers today is we receive revelation through his written word, uh, through the scriptures. And we proclaim God's judgment and God's mercy through the word of scripture. And uh, where we find these unsearchable things that we do not know is in the scriptures. Verse 4, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, about the houses in the city of the royal palaces of Judah that had been torn down to be used against the siege ramps and the sword. They were in a battle with the Babylonians. Jerusalem was under siege. They had to tear down houses in order to construct uh, defensive uh, tactics and defensive apparatus in order to defend themselves against the Babylonian. And then in uh, verse 5, In the fight with the Babylonians, they will be filled with dead bodies of the people I will slay in my anger and wrath. I will hide my face from the city because of all its wickedness. So here there is that that message of judgment, which is repeated time and again through the prophet Jeremiah, that the Babylonians are coming, they're going to invade, it's not going to be a very good thing. But here's the message of hope, verse 6. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and will rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me and will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all the nations on earth that hear of all the good things that I do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. So that the, the, the prophet Jeremiah comes to proclaim this message, this message of God's judgment but he also says that there is going to be there is coming a day when when Judah and Jerusalem will be restored so there is good news for the people in the midst of all the bad news then we skip down to verse 14 where we get to Jesus verse 14 of Jeremiah 33 The days are coming declares the Lord when I will fulfill the promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah in those days at that time The Lord says, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. And it says, he, he will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called. This is the name by which the righteous branch will be called. Here it is. The Lord, our righteous Savior. That is the name by which this righteous branch will be called. Verse 17, for this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of Israel, nor will the Levitical priests ever fail to have a man to stand before me continually, to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifice. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says, If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that day and night no longer come at their appointed time... Then my covenant with David, my servant, and my covenant with the Levites who are priests ministering before me can be broken and David will no longer have a descendant to reign on his throne. In other words, God is saying if you can prevent the rising and the setting of the sun, then and then only will I break my promise of sending a Savior. I will make the descendant... Of David, my servant of the Levites who minister before me, as countless as the stars in the sky, and as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Here ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. So let's unwrap this gift, the gift of a savior. Last week, once again, we learned in 2 Samuel 7 that King David was promised an eternal or everlasting kingdom. David wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to build a temple for the Lord. But then the Lord reverses and says, You're not going to build a house for me. You're not going to build a temple for me. But rather, I'm going to build a house for you. Actually, what I'm going to build for you is a dynasty. And God said that that dynasty will be forever. It'll last Forever. So David was promised a descendant who would rule for eternity. And we now know today that that royal descendant from David's bloodline is Jesus, who is our eternal king. And this promise of an eternal king is expanded upon in this prophecy given to Jeremiah. And we learn today, this is what's phenomenal, we learn today that this descendant of David is none other than the Lord himself. The name by which this righteous branch, this descendant in the line of David will be called the Lord our righteousness. We know from the New Testament, you read through the genealogies in the gospel that Jesus is that promised descendant of David. And we also learn from the New Testament that Jesus is not only a human being, but he is true God in human flesh. He is God incarnate of the Virgin Mary. And in one of the most, uh, one of the fullest uh, messianic prophecies, or messianic fulfillments of prophecy that we have, is in reading Revelation chapter 1, 17 and 18. So so we're just going to fast forward all the way to Revelation right now. And we're going to see who this branch, this righteous branch is We're going to see him in glory in heaven. John received this revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. When I saw him, that is Jesus, sitting on the throne, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Listen to this I am the living one, so the one sitting on the throne. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. So the one sitting on the throne is the one who died, who was buried, and who is resurrected, and now lives forever and ever on the throne, reigning for eternity. And he says, And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So we confess through the witness of the Bible. That Jesus is true God. Jesus is not only a king in the royal line, bloodline of David, but he is indeed the king of kings and the lord of lords who is reigning for eternity from his throne in heaven. He is your king. He is the one who went to the cross and died. And he is the one who was raised from death. He is the righteous branch. He not only commands righteous living, but by his righteous life, his righteous death and resurrection, he gives us his very righteousness. So for those of you who trust in Jesus today, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the very righteousness of Jesus. Some of you here today might be saying, well, pastor, I am not righteous. I am not holy. I have sinned. How can you say that I'm righteous and holy? Here's the good news of the gospel. To by grace, through faith, in what the righteous branch, Jesus, the righteous and holy Savior, did for you. You have been declared righteous today. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your sin from you. You're not righteous by your own good works. You're righteous because of the gift of our righteous Savior. And we see this beautifully portrayed at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So let's just kind of review here. Here we have this promise given throughout the Old Testament. The promise of a Savior. And uh, the promise is needed. Well, you may say, why why do we need a Savior? Well, humanity is broken. And and as I I talked about at the beginning of the sermon, we all experience this... Uh, these lows in life. And that, that's just one, one symptom of our brokenness because of sin. There are many other symptoms of our brokenness within our world, within our community, and within our own lives. All of us, if we're honest with ourselves and we look deep within us, we see that there is something deeply broken inside of us. Right? And so that's why the promise of the Savior was given. The promise of the Savior was given because God was not satisfied to leave us in this state of brokenness. You see, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he sent Jesus. So that our broken lives and so that our broken world could be healed and made whole again. And, and that promise of, of, that, of that brokenness being healed comes through Messiah, through Jesus. And he is the one who had to come in order to set right what is so broken in our world. And he did that through his death and through his resurrection. And we see him doing that throughout his entire ministry. And then we see him repairing humanity's brokenness even from the cross. As he's hanging upon the cross. So we're going to go today to Luke's gospel. The 23rd chapter. Two other men, both criminals. This is Jesus hanging on the cro- going to the cross Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Here it is. Jesus healing the brokenness of humanity, the reason for which Messiah came. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. That is just remarkable. This is one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture. That here are people that are just absolutely tormenting and torturing Jesus in the most horrific way imaginable. And then Jesus says to these about these people praying to the Father says, Father, forgive them. This is Jesus repairing humanity's brokenness. This is why the promise was given to Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3.15. This is why the promise was given to Abraham in Genesis 12. This is why the promise was given to David in 2 Samuel 7. This is why the promise was given to the nation of, of Israel and Judah in Jeremiah 33 and repeated in many, many other places throughout the Old Testament. For this reason, for the cross... Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Verse 35, the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, and Messiah means king. If he is Messiah's king, if he's the chosen one, let him save himself if he is Messiah, Verse 36, the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are who? The king of the Jews. Save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. With that they meant to mock him. But it proclaimed the truth. Because Jesus... Is king, but he, he did not come as a king to sit in Jerusalem in a palace and splendor. He came as a king to ascend to the cross for you to heal your brokenness. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Aren't you the king? What are you doing on a cross? Save us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? Listen to what this criminal says in verse 41. We are punished justly. There's a key in that, church. Have you come to the point in your life in which you recognize that you deserve not God's favor, but God's judgment. This is key, church. We all need to come to that point where we recognize, we believe, and we understand that we don't deserve God's grace. The criminal understood. He says, We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. Each and every one of us, we are the ones who deserve the cross. Because we have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We have sinned against God all the time in thought, word, and deed. We are the ones who deserve to be judged. We're the ones who deserve the cross, but he recognized that this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus is the innocent one. Verse 42, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In verse 43, Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, here's the promise. This is what the promise throughout the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to this point is, is leading us to. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. We have a wonderful Savior. A beautiful Savior. It's so easy for us to look at the negative, to see the negative, And then to be, to be drugged down into that pit. It's so easy for us to, to become a people who, who are depressed. And I don't want to make... I don't want to misinform you about depression because I believe that depression needs to be dealt with in a holistic way. And, and what do I mean by that? I mean that, that we are broken uh, in every way. Our bodies are broken. And because our bodies are broken, that means that, that we um, do have chemical imbalances. And so oftentimes medication is necessary and there's nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that. And so the Lord is provided through medicine... But we're also broken in a spiritual sense. And that's why Jesus came. So their eyes could be lifted to see the best, and the best is Jesus. Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem's manger to go to the cross, who speaks incredible, mind blowing words from the cross Father, forgive them. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Those words are for you. So that your heart and your soul can be lifted during this Christmas season. Louis Armstrong, he looked at the world and he sang, and he said, What a wonderful world. Today, we look to Jesus, and today we see beauty beyond this world, and we say, What a wonderful king! What a wonderful king! He's your king today. Trust in him. Believe in him. Have your hearts and your minds and your spirits lifted today. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for all that you have done for us. And I pray that through this message, through the preaching of the gospel, through the hope that we receive as we open our Bibles at home, through the hope that we receive from your words, may our hearts and our minds be lifted once again to see you and to see the beauty of your kingdom to see the beauty of your rule and reign today, to see that you are not a king who has come uh, to to just simply punish us, but you are a king who came and received the righteous punishment of God upon yourself on the cross, so that through faith in him, we would be acquitted, we would be promised the forgiveness of sins, and that we would be promised uh, paradise with you for eternity. And we thank you for this, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children say, Amen. Amen.